Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano. It is an insider look at the NBA and the coaches surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on hot topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Teledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human-moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time your time not just to go back to school but to come back and move forward with purdue global purdue's online university for working adults start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu saturdays are for sunshine especially for your ears with another election ongoing wars and natural disasters we know the news can be a lot to take in and we're determined to share the bright side of humanity Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Charlemagne the God. We are The Breakfast Club. We got our co-host with us this morning, Miss Jess Hilarious. That's hey. right. And we have our special guest. First time here. Yes. Thank you for joining us, Laverne Cox. Welcome. Hey, thank you, thank you, thank you. I am so excited to be at The Breakfast Club. You have become such an important space for the culture mm -hmm. on so many different levels, politically and in terms of music. And it's just lovely to be here in all of my multitudes. We're happy today. to have you here. Yeah. Who, Why did you who, think who, you were who, banned? Yeah, who lied and yeah, said you were banned? Who said you were banned? Well, that's what Jason him. said. That's what oh. Jason said. <laughs> so we had reached out. So we reached out um, last year when my Barbie came out. I was like, it would be great to come onto the Breakfast Club and talk about the Laverne Cox Barbie. I'm mm -hmm. the first trans person to mm -hmm. have a Barbie created by Mattel. And I thought it would be great. And I and I so we just hold it would block because. And I and I and I think this audience is really valuable. And I think yes. this audience, um, I was I was talking to Jason about this, and I think there's 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 I don't like to say there's white media and black media, mm -hmm. but like a lot of the work that I've done, the audiences have been diverse, but a lot it's been a majority white audience. I'm working at E now, and it's definitely a diverse audience there. But there's this is a black audience. Well, we're happy to have and you. And I. 
I'm black and I love being black. Absolutely. And this black excellence is, I'm doing things out uh, here. And I mm -hmm. think that it's important for this audience to know that. Talk so. to us about this outfit because yeah. it's giving black superhero. Thank you. Okay, I'm, thank you for that. asking. Like a motorcycle. That's like motorcycle thank superhero. You. It's just, this, is, it. so this is um, Manfred Terry Mugler. It's vintage. It's from his fall, fall. Um, 1989 Buick Winter Collection, um, obviously inspired by motorcycles, inspired by cars. Mm -hmm. Terry Mugler actually has an exhibit at Brooklyn Museum right now. If mm -hmm. people like this, there's something in the exhibit that's similar to this. I collect vintage Terry Mugler. Mm -hmm. So yes, I'm glad you mentioned it. You have to kind of see the whole- well, Stand up for them. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds too rich for my blood. Listen, this is one of my favorite pieces. Thank you for asking. I collect Mugler. I'm obsessed yeah. in a good way, I think. Maybe unhealthy. Um, they should be giving you free stuff, I hope. Not for real. Because um, <laughs> she gave a whole lesson just now. I said, right. you black on the way? I know that's right. Megan the Stallion has a line in Plan B, Mugler suits in my meetings. And she, mm -hmm. um, in the video, she's wearing all, all Mugler. Now, Casey Cadwallader is the executive director of Mugler now. Mr. Um, Mugler died, um, who mm -hmm. founded the company. But it's run beautifully now by Casey. Um, and, Laverne, do you yeah. talk over here? Because he just knows Target and Walmart t-shirts. Get into Mugler. The girls are wearing Mugler. The boys are wearing Mugler. Okay. The mm -hmm. non-binary people are wearing Mugler. Okay. Feel the fantasy, honey. Get into it. Okay. Learn it. <laughs> But y'all ain't gonna ever get on the bike though. Y'all just gonna wear the Mugler. Y'all ain't going. I am not getting on a bike. Years ago, when I was a waitress, so this I met this guy. I used to work at coffee shop in Union Square. You remember coffee shop in Union Square? Oh Anybody? yeah, I do remember the coffee shop. Mm -hmm. I used to um, be a waitress there, and I met this guy. And like you know, when I was a waitress, I was young in my twenties, so mm -hmm. I would meet guys at work. Yeah, you know? mm -hmm. and met the dude, and he waited for me to get off from work, and he wanted to go hang out, and he had a he had a motorcycle, yeah. and I was like, sweetie. Yeah. I'm not getting on this motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, you can pay for me a, for a cab and then we can meet at the diner. Right, yeah. Right. He he got me a taxi <laughs> and we met at the diner. You I was followed not, his motorcycle there. <laughs> I was not getting on that motorcycle. I had yeah. no interest. Now for a movie role, I'll do almost anything for a movie role. So if someone wants to pay me, I'll get on a motorcycle. Let's go. Okay. Yeah, if anyone wants to pay me. That's what so many of us were introduced <laughs> to you uh, when you were acting on Orange is the New Black. Yes. I told you when mm. I, fr uh, I first met you at the iHeart Music Festival and mm -hmm. you were backstage and I came up to you and I was like, yo, I'm a fan because I used to, you know, love, I still love Orange is the New Black. Mm, but, thank mm -hmm. you. So acting is what you really, really want to do. Is that your passion, Pat? It absolutely is. And I'm still acting. Um, last year, um, a lot of people saw me in Inventing Anna, which was um, a huge show mm -hmm. on Netflix. Mm -hmm. um, I right. played Casey Duke in that. Um, I have a guest spot in something that I can't talk about yet. Mm -hmm. but it's really cool and we're prepping to do a show um with norman lear the legendary norman wow. lear and mm -hmm. i'll talk over mm -hmm. here as well mm -hmm. um called clean slate george wallace the legendary comedian plays my dad wow. um it's set in my hometown of mobile alabama it's a comedy and it's about this um woman who goes back home and tries to reconnect with her dad after many years of being away so we start mm -hmm. shooting that in savannah like next month? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I don't yeah. think this era ready for Norman Lear comedy. Norman mm -hmm. Lear's The Jeffersons and uh, uh, Good Times. Well, like, good, I don't think one, they ready. One All day at a time. Family. One day at a time mm -hmm. did really well. And he has he has new shows. Norman is 100 years old and he's still producing shows mm -hmm. and people are watching. Oh, yeah. So, so as long as they're watching, we're going to keep creating. As long as they're right? watching. Yeah, Norman is amazing. He yeah. is getting to know him and just being in a room with him when we pitched mm -hmm. the show to him was just iconic. We sat in the room with him for like 90 minutes. And after the meeting, he said, he was 96 at the time. He said, I learned more about life 
in this last hour mm -hmm. that I should have known that I did know, and I'm so grateful. And we started working together on pitching a show, and it took years, and now here we are. I want to go back for people that don't know. This yes. is Laverne Cox, first time on a Breakfast Club. Yes, amazing. So, how did you get into acting? What made you want to act? Oh, what got gosh. you into that mind frame as a kid? Break us, break it down. I've. I've always been a performer. So I started out as a dancer and during PE, so I'm 50 years old. So mm -hmm. back in the day. Damn. Right. I mean, but that's a good, that's <laughs> good. Black don't that's crack. Really yes. good. Yeah. So back in the day, there was PE, physical education. And during PE, I would always dance and I would have I would have music in my head and I would have characters in my head and mm -hmm. I would express these characters through movement. And so I started studying dance in third grade, but I always knew I wanted to act, that I would transition to acting. Mm -hmm. And when I got to college, I was a dance major at Marymount Manhattan College and started acting there. I did my mm -hmm. first um, play there. I did a lot of stuff in the theater department there. And just that was in the 90s. I was like, I moved to New York in 1993. So I've been acting like since college and did my first movie my senior year at Marymount in 1996. So you knew that's what you wanted to do. I always knew. But then I had I finally accepted being trans when I was um, in 1998 and started transitioning. And I was like, well, there aren't any trans actors. So I don't mm. know if I can't really be an actor and be trans. And so I went to fashion school for three semesters and went to FIT. And then I was like, I don't really want to do this. I love fashion, but I don't want to do it. And then like I um, did a few more movies, just auditioned and got a few independent films. And then I started training seriously with this woman named Susan Batson, who is an iconic acting coach. Um, she's trained Oprah and Juliette Binoche and mm. um, Jamie Foxx, everybody. Mm -hmm. And she has a great studio here in New York. And I got really serious about acting and I just went for it. Mm. And um, it took years and years and years. Um, and, but finally, basically, 20 years after I moved to New York, I got my big break in Orange is New Black. How right? was that? How was auditioning yeah, for that? Because, wow. you know, at first, I'm, I'm sure people didn't necessarily say, I, I don't know if Laverne fits this, or how difficult was that being turned down? I mean, it... There, it was years of no's. I mean, the reason why it took 20 years is that there were no roles for me. So at Susan's studio, there were, she would have industry nights and I would audition for casting directors and agents and they'd be like, you're very talented, but there's no roles for you. You're mm -hmm. trans. It's like, maybe you should move to LA. And so it was, it was constantly that. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while, a trans something or drag thing would come up. And a lot of times in the beginning when I was auditioning, it would say drag queen, but I would just go in and they didn't know the difference between drag and right. trans. And I would book or I wouldn't book. And so so for years there just weren't roles for me and so when the orange is new black audition came along i actually was going to stop acting i turned 40 that year so this was um 11 years ago it was mm -hmm. 2012 i turned 40 the big break hadn't happened i was like well girl you're 40 you're black you're trans who do you think you're kidding thinking you can do this mm -hmm. and i was studying for my gre to go to grad school um i was in student loan debt it was a mess girl i was in rent arrears mm -hmm. <laughs> like i was on a payment plan to avoid eviction I, I from my apartment you, i love that you looked at me and said it's a girl, girl right yeah. 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 when i say i yeah. love that girl is, my heart girl is gender neutral girl. so girl is gender neutral like a lot of people say dude and it's gender neutral girl, girl is gender neutral for me so yeah. everybody's girl i call um, girl all the time so but 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 the great thing about when the orange audition had happened is that even though it was a struggle, I had been in acting class every week because I loved it. Mm -hmm. And this is what I say to people. If you if you want to be an actor and you don't love it, you should do something else mm -hmm. because you're going to be too old, too young, too short, too thin, too trans, too black, too white. And so all the rejection 
I kept loving it. And so mm -hmm. I kept, even though I, I kind of gave up hope, I kept going to class because I love acting. Mm -hmm. And so when the audition came along, I did the one audition, I booked it. And then this juicy role came along and this beautiful writing and I was prepared. I was ready because I had trained. I had done independent films for free, student mm -hmm. films for free. I did everything I could to get experience. And so when this opportunity came, I was ready. Mm -hmm. And I and and I love that Oprah says there's no such thing as luck. Luck is only when preparation meets opportunity. And when my opportunity came, I was prepared. And I'm still here. Mm -hmm. And I still love what I do. Mm -hmm. And I got I get to do so many different things now. Mm -hmm. I love that I'm an actor, but I also get to host red carpets and, and I have an interview show. That's and, amazing. That's what I wanted to ask yeah. you. Do you like one more than the other do you like being in that live red carpet space more than you do like what because because then we get to see your personality we get to see like how you bond with other celebrities and like certain questions and stuff that you ask like do you like being in that i love more? it i didn't think i would when they and when he approached me i was like well I'd, I'd hosted their countdown show in 2020 and had mm -hmm. a lot of fun doing mm -hmm. it and then they asked me to you know to be their new red carpet host. And I was like, do I want to do this? And will people forget that I act? And acting has always been this. Even though I've always done a lot of different things, I, I know that I'm an actor first. Mm -hmm. And that's what I prioritize. And that's why people even care about me. Yeah. But I love it. I yeah. love it. And I love it because we get to have fun on the red carpet. I love mm -hmm. the fashion piece of it. Mm -hmm. And we laugh. But we also can get to have space. At the Grammys recently, um, I interviewed Machine Gun Kelly. Mm -hmm. And he came to the in, to the carpet really vulnerable mm -hmm. it was intense I, I was like what's going on here it was a different energy I than i'm used to he cried i think right? and Aww. he was he was really emotional he found out in the car on the way way there that he had lost the grammy mm. and he was planning to win and he was had built up basically he said that he had built up like all of this i'm gonna prove people wrong mm. and right. i'm gonna be valid now because i've won this grammy and he didn't win it and he <laughs> actually had the courage to be vulnerable and admit that yeah. and on live television. And it was a beautiful, raw moment. And I love being able to hold space for that. Mm -hmm. um, I have a show um, with E called If We're Being Honest that's on Peacock. And mm -hmm. I, it's an interview show and I get to hold space mm -hmm. for complexity, for people's humanity. We laugh, we cry. Yeah. I had this great interview with Joe Coy where we like, talked about him kind of repeating the pattern that his his father sort of you know walked out on him and then he talks in his book about how he kind of like wasn't there for his kid and how he repeated that pattern mm -hmm. but then how he interrupted it mm -hmm. and he was in tears mm -hmm. thinking about this there's this beautiful moment in his book where he um talks about um going to he he was in conflict with his um his ex-wife who was a um, father of his child and he goes and she's like she's broken open a piggy bank and she's like you know looking you know looking for to buy food and he's like what are you doing she's like i don't have enough money to buy food for your child and he mm -hmm. saw it in that moment they had been fighting he saw in this moment and he broke down he's like i'm never gonna let you go through this again and it's wow. such a powerful moment in the book and i asked him about that moment and it was a moment where he had been repeating the pattern of his absentee father, but he broke that pattern in mm -hmm. that moment. Mm -hmm. And the, this is the shit I love. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is the stuff I love where we can like have real moments to interrupt um, patterns of historical trauma. You talk about that all the time. I love moments when we can have revelations and understand something new mm -hmm. about 
ourselves mm -hmm. with the guests I'm speaking with mm -hmm. and then hopefully the audience mm -hmm. and so I love being an actor but I feel like that's the, it's the same thing as an actor mm -hmm. as an actor what we do is we mine the depths of who we are as human beings and hopefully create empathy for these characters so that people can learn about themselves yeah. ultimately people don't watch television to you know watch you they watch to see themselves, mm -hmm. to learn about themselves. And so in all the work that I get to do, it's all really about that. It's a space of healing. I, you're always sending yeah. healing energy to Absolutely. everyone. And we need a lot of healing in this world. And yeah, that's yeah. what my job I feel is as an artist and as a public person is to create these spaces of healing. That's, yeah. that's why I encourage therapy so much because I feel like it interrupts those patterns that, that, mm -hmm. that you're talking about. Good therapy. Yeah. I've been in therapy since 2000 for 23 years. Sometimes people like, does it not work? Why are you mm -hmm. still in it for 23 years? And I, you may just still need it. Things are it, happening every day. It's a process. Yeah. It's not like... Healing isn't like I got it and it's done. Mm -hmm. I, you know, when the pandemic happened in 2020, I was just, I, stuff hit me that I didn't even, and I've been in therapy obviously but at that point for 20 years, mm -hmm. but like the voices when you're by yourself all the time, those voices that like tell you that you're not enough, mm -hmm. that they come back yeah. and you, mm -hmm. and you I had to do a different level of work. Mm -hmm. But what's so exciting about the work that I've done in therapy over the years is that I can hold space in an interview for complexity and for someone being raw. I can hold mm -hmm. space in, the, in my romantic relationships, in my friendships, mm -hmm. that I can, that love is in my life right now and I can show up for it. Mm -hmm. You know, I was talking to a dear friend of mine and she was, and she was, I was asking her about her love life and she was like, I need to be in therapy before I tried to um, be in another relationship. Mm. She was like, I, I think the last guy was a good guy, but I didn't know how to handle it. Mm -hmm. And I think so often this good thing might come to us right. romantically, mm -hmm. professionally, and we might not be able to receive it. Do you remember that moment? This is such an iconic moment for me when um, Oprah was ending her talk show and she interviewed Iyanla Van Zandt. Do we remember this moment? We mm -hmm. should go and watch when they, this When moment. they healed? When they had their healing mm, moment, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and Oprah was like, because Oprah was like, I did you understand? I was sat in the audience and I had you on stage, and mm -hmm. um, I won't go into the whole history, of you, but they had a falling out, mm -hmm. and oh, okay. Oprah was like, did you not understand that I how I you know I trusted you on my show to be on to you know right. be on stage mm -hmm. on my show? She and Yana said I couldn't receive it. She was like, I was broken. I'm ghetto. I was this, and then she she said it like four times, and she was almost in tears. I couldn't receive it, mm -hmm. and the last time she said I couldn't receive it, Oprah was like, I get it, mm -hmm. I get it. So we have to get ourselves ready to receive the blessings that the universe has for us, waiting for us. We, and therapy is a great way to do that. I think therapy um, for people, people are struggling with addiction. Yeah, I think if right. you can't afford therapy, mm -hmm. there are 12 step programs out there for people to go that are mm -hmm. free. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there's, it's not, it's not just drugs or alcohol, there's codependency, um, mm -hmm. 12 steps. There's um, all, Debtors Anonymous, girl, go <laughs> and get, your, go get your help. Girl, you can heal. <laughs> it's the gateway to healing. You know, I wanted to ask you about the red carpet thing because I wanted to ask you, yes. what did you learn in the moment with Will and Jada? Like after you mm. received the backlash and everything, what did you learn? Oy vey. Um, to be really brutally honest, I learned, I learned a few things. I learned that the world was not ready for the evolved relationship that they were presenting us mm -hmm. because 
when I, you know, I just jokingly say, you know, we're looking for, you know, more entanglements. I love Red Table Talk. I love mm-hmm. this miss. And people thought I was being shady. And like, and, J- and I talked to Jada afterwards. She was fine. She thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. But the world interpreted it as mess. The world saw so much of what they had put out about their relationship in an open, honest way, they I I feel like their intention was for us to heal, for uh, for us to see a different way to do relationships that wasn't like this traditional thing. Mm -hmm. And the world made it into mess Mm -hmm. and that the world wasn't ready, that it was constant. They were they were the world was like wanting to make it into something that they weren't giving us. And it also reminded me that when you make your relationship um, public, it becomes entertainment for people That's right. mm-hmm. and it's not re- they're not real people um and so I, i'm going to keep my my stuff private um right. so it was that piece of the, the entertainment piece but it's also like oh the world isn't ready mm-hmm. for this evolved relationship that they presented us um with and that made me sad and i think it means that we just have more work to do mm-hmm. around letting go of um traditional heteronormative monogamous ideas about what a relationship should look like i think everyone can do relationships on their own terms and should mm-hmm. do relationships on their own terms mm-hmm. and i think they're doing that and the people just don't get it how did you deal with it, it with all yeah. the social media and the backlash and you know because social media could be a nasty smoke. place they give I, you they give you a lot of smoke there yeah. was oh my god it was i watched one video i won't say who i watched and the person went in and I was like, I'm not watching anything else. Mm. So, and I just didn't. Was it Jeff? Yo, relax. <laughs> We're not even doing. Girl, girl. Relax. Did you make a video too? No, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> but I just stopped. Right. I just stopped. Right. You don't. I, this has happened. Luckily, I've, I'm. I'm. This has happened before. I remember mm. when I did when I did Rocky Horror Picture Show and mm. um, when I was cast in that and there was just an outrage and an uproar. I just stopped watching I stopped mm. reading right. I just didn't engage with it at all mm. and I think that's what I have to do I have to just not engage with it and understand that it's not about me and I think it's hard to feel misunderstood though yeah. and to feel um that piece is very difficult but I have to remind myself who I am I have to remind myself what my intentions are and not engage and I but I also think there's a, it's tricky for me because I also think one needs to be open for feedback. Mm-hmm. One needs to be open to um, receive criticism when it's in good faith. So mm-hmm. that's what I have to balance because I'm not above reproach and I've made mistakes. My prayer today, my prayer every day is God, give me permission to do this imperfectly and allow me to be of service. Mm-hmm. So it's not, I'm, it's not gonna be perfect. And I'm a perfectionist in, in a bad way. Mm-hmm. So I have to let go of that and hopefully I'll be of service. And so I, I can't, Maybe I have to be I. able to balance like right. getting, getting critique from trusted sources that elevates me and makes me better and, and holding myself accountable and being held accountable, right? We all have to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then not allowing trolls and people who don't have um, the best of intentions and aren't operating in good faith, not letting that in. Yeah, I'm, I'm a being able to distinguish. Myself, so I, I go through that still to this day. And that's what I wanted to also ask you too. So I, you know, being a comedian, we we often speak on, th- nothing is off limits. You know what Absolutely. I'm saying? Like we, we speak on things that, you know, people, and this, in these days, th- these days and times may take a total different way that we're oh, yeah. trying to 
you know, put it out there. Mm-hmm. Has, do you think that because a comedian has a joke um, about LGBT that they're homophobic? Like, do you, like, what are your thoughts on that? Because I got a lot of jokes <clears throat> about the LGBT, but I have a lot of jokes about the straight people too. Yeah. I Everybody. <sighs> I think it's really complicated. I interviewed um, Cameron Esposito on my show, mm-hmm. if we're being honest, and Cameron's a, a non-binary stand-up comic, and Cameron thinks she should be able to joke about anything. Right. Um, but Cameron also said that a lot of comedians who have problems, who saying they're always being canceled and they can't aren't allowed to joke anymore, mm-hmm. aren't used to getting feedback. <laughs> Cameron right. said, like, mm-hmm. since I I've stepped, mm. since I stepped on a stage, Cameron's assigned um, female at birth. It's non-binary. Mm-hmm. Cameron is like, ever since I stepped on the stage as a stand-up, I've been getting feedback. And and Cameron said, you've probably been getting feedback since you stepped on the public stage. And these people, I think, they're not used to getting feedback. Mm-hmm. And so feedback. So 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 there's that mm. piece. And I think too that one can say something or do something that may be homophobic or racist Mm -hmm. and not be racist, right? Right. But there's a difference between I am, like a statement of um, Brene Brown distinguishes between shame and guilt is, shame is I am a mistake and guilt is I made a mistake, Mm -hmm. right? So I think that's an important distinction to make that someone can unknowingly Right, say something or do something that's um, that's transphobic mm-hmm. and not be transphobic. I was on right. set um, for a show that I was doing many years ago, and um, one of my um, coworkers, who I adore and we're still friends to this day, mm-hmm. said the T word, the T word that ends with a Y, mm-hmm. and I wasn't. I wasn't upset by it, but I was mm-hmm. like, I understood in that moment mm-hmm. that this my coworker didn't understand that a lot of trans people would take that as a slur. Oh, and I didn't so, even know that. Right, yeah. See, yeah. you didn't know. And a lot of people right. don't know. Mm-hmm. And so I, t- I was like, girl, just so you know, yeah. I'm cool, but a lot of trans folks, if you said that word, would have a problem. Mm-hmm. And, and she was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. She sent me flowers. I was like, girl, it's not really that serious. She just didn't know. And she, she just didn't know. To, and I think yeah. we need to be able to give people grace when they don't know mm-hmm. and um, give them space to evolve and I'm not language police either. Right. I'm not in language police either, but I think that things can be, think, transphobia exists. Right. And, and oh, there are many sure. comics who say really transphobic things. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily believe they are transphobic, mm-hmm. but what they're doing is transphobic, mm-hmm. is phobic. So mm-hmm. it's just like something, just like with racism, right? Mm-hmm. Like I could think somebody can do something racist or say something racist, mm-hmm. not necessarily intending it um, in a certain way. There are words that we might not even know are problematic right. Right. and we just don't know, but mm-hmm. it is racist, it is transphobic. So mm-hmm. a thing can be a thing yeah. and we can call a thing a thing. And for me, it's about ev- people evolving, giving people space to evolve. Mm-hmm. I'm not into like canceling people and cancel culture doesn't really exist. I, 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 I love what you said about comedians though, because there is a difference between feedback and backlash. And I think a lot of yeah. comedians think they're getting backlash and comedians thrive off of that. But actual yeah. feedback like is to me is- There's one, is one particularly who's yeah. thriving yeah. off of it um, yeah. that I can think of. He's, he loves- Mr. Chappelle? He loves someone. I don't, they seem to love the transphobia. <laughs> Transphobic long as comic. Because um, I wonder how much of it is actual feedback as opposed to backlash. Like there are people who will take the time 
to teach. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I salute like my man David Johns. He'll take the time mm-hmm. to teach. But a lot of times they don't feel like they're teaching. They're just upset. Yeah. And I, it's, <laughs> I think it's a piece of like not being comfortable getting feedback or wanting to, I mean, for you as a comic, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, have you been criticized or critiqued for some of your LGBTQ? Most jokes? definitely, most definitely. But how did that I make you feel? It, it, it made me. I was mad. I was mm-hmm. very upset because I'm like, how can you say I'm homophobic, homophobic because of this and because of that? And then, and then it comes the thing of like, if if you say, oh yo, you know my brother gay, or oh, I got a gay best friend, then they still put you in a box like, well, oh, that's okay. like so, that's like but, saying my, my best, best some of my black. best friends are black, right. yeah. yeah. And you get misgendered a lot, Jess, which I hate. What? <laughs> you get misgendered a lot. People, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Big, people always, you know, say I was born a man and all that. And I hate that. And I, how yeah, does that make you I, feel? How does it make you feel? The when people when, when people say, misgender you as a as a as a, a non trans woman. To be honest with you, I really do not get upset. I know I have. I don't. I don't get upset. I honestly have never got upset. I actually started putting it in my jokes, but. It's other people that a would lot get of upset black women, for me. A lot of black women get upset about that. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna be totally honest with you. No, I I didn't get upset for that. I got upset that I caught this this uh guy, he was LGBT he called me the the T word that ended with a Y, and I called him the F word. Mm-hmm. And I felt like and and but it was blew up because I said I, I felt like all right mm-hmm. slur for slur and I and he's like oh you know everybody's like yo you you're not a part of the community you can't say that what well, gives him the right to tell me that I'm a t word like you did can't he do that. know that, that did he did he know that you were... he was being smart he knew exactly that I was a woman that you know that I'm born a woman am a woman but like I got mad that I didn't get mad that. He even called me that. I got upset because it's like, yo, you called me that and I can't call you this? Like, I don't like that. I I just, I can't, I can't. I, I just couldn't get with that. Like, yo, you hit me below the belt. And and you weren't saying it because you were, you really thought that you said that because you knew that. Trying to insult you. You're trying to insult you. Something yeah. like, yeah. oh yeah. There's you, a, there's a, I think, is it was it the, um, yeah, um one of the city girls who just has a lyric about like mm-hmm. pretty, like the uh, transgender, like we, it's, it shouldn't be an insult to say that someone, I mean, look at me. That's how he tried, <laughs> right, look at it you. It shouldn't be an insult to say that someone looks trans. It's Trans is beautiful. But, right. Trans is beautiful, hashtag but, trans is beautiful. But let's not, let's not like really like not look at how it was bought to, like it was bought to me, like he was being smart. It wasn't bought to, oh, you are a pretty yeah, trans woman. Nice I think, and I th- but like, I think it wasn't too, like that. what's deep to me about that, just historically, mm-hmm. I, I love looking at history. There is a history in America, and I think this is why it's tricky for a lot of black women mm-hmm. when just the existence of trans women, particularly black trans women, but then when um, non-trans women are call trans or say they look trans there's a whole history of discounting the womanhood of black women in, in the united states of america when sojourner truth um declared ain't i a woman in eight, um, 1851 in um in ohio she did that in the context of a system that said if you are black then you're a man and if you're a woman you're a white woman hmm. and so she was invisibilized in that system and there is a history of that in the united states and black women have different bills and different body shapes and and it's beautiful but there's that history that we have to reckon with and i think that like so much of 
transphobia in in well in America and all over the world a lot of it in the black community i think is also about just colonialism in general and the impact of like racism on our community the historic emasculation of black men like there's there's been literally during when black men were lynched yeah. they would you know their genitals were cut off mm -hmm. and and there's that whole history that we're trying to sort of reckon with as americans that's deeply painful and trans people like represent that i think for some black folks mm -hmm. um that history that trauma um and then i think it what i have always believed if you have a problem with somebody else being themselves it's right. something inside of you right that's not quite right, right and not right. and that's why our healing journey is so important i think like um i say on my podcast that like i think 50 percent is like okay there are systems in place racism mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. a system mm -hmm. transphobia is a system mm -hmm. we're all like raised in these systems and are affected and internalize these things that we have to unlearn right. if we want to decolonize our minds and liberate ourselves yeah. but what's my 50 percent I am responsible ultimately for my life. I'm responsible for how I feel. I've never been a victim. Mm -hmm. And your own healing. And I'm responsible even, for even, my own even, healing. Even if, you didn't, even if you didn't cause your own trauma. Your right. own I'm responsible for yeah. my healing never as an adult. As an adult. And, and I think too, when in that moment, being using that F slur, you were mad. I was like, upset. Very that angry. reaction took, in for me, I was, I, I decided many years ago, I had an incident in a, in a gay club <laughs> and I was, um, I was co-hosting an event and I used the F word. I said, use mm. some loud F words. This was years mm. ago. After the show, these two black gay men came up to me and read me for, they read me for filth. And I'm there mm. with my friend Ari, may he rest in peace. Mm. And I'm like, no, we're reclaiming that word and I'm right. trans. And they were like, not having it yeah. and i talked talk to my friend ari and i was self-righteous i was like we're reclaiming that word we're taking the power right. away from that word and ari was like absolutely then i talked to my brother my brother is um identifies as a practicing homosexual he doesn't like the word gay he thinks it's a white bourgeois construct and he prefers the idea of practiced orientation twins, anyway right? we're twins okay. and i talked to my brother about it and i expected my brother to be like yeah they were crazy and they were wrong and my brother was like that's not your word to reclaim and I was mm. like, but no, but no. And it's like, that's not your word to reclaim. Yeah. And then he said it a third time. And then I started crying. Mm. Yeah. Because I had to admit that I said something that was hurtful. I saw the hurt in their mm. eyes. Yeah. And I didn't, I, I immediately became defensive. And that defensiveness, I get, but like that, that uncomfortability, that, that moment of sitting with like, I hurt somebody mm -hmm. and i didn't intend to right but i hurt somebody and that yeah. felt awful so that's how it was for yeah. me mm -hmm. when the whole community what it felt like what felt like the whole yeah. community was because like that's like half of my fan base lgbt like what like my community has come hard for me too and it's painful and then sometimes it's like yo i know i didn't mean that i didn't mean to hurt all of y'all, you know, with that. He was word. trying to hurt that one I'm person. I'm trying to hurt that one person because yeah. he was trying, and only because he was trying to hurt me. Mm -hmm. Not even, oh, I think this way about all, like, nah. And it was like, it was kind of hard to come back from. That was the, I was the first social media influencer to be canceled. And then by such a big community of people mm. who supported me and was with what's me the up healing until that for point. you? What's, what's and, the healing for you? Because I think, for me, I think, like, is there, I would I want to be in a moment where someone, I let someone have me go out of character to insult them. Uh, that that's that's what I think. But for you, 
Has there been healing around that? Has there been, because I think the, what we don't see a lot of uh, for me when someone is quote unquote canceled is we don't see the evolution of what they've learned and how they've learned it, right? Like, what did I learn from this situation? Like, how did I hold myself accountable? What have I learned about it? That's what, I think this is what people need. Yeah. When, they, when when someone's been through right. the meal, like, mm -hmm. what have I learned from it? What so have you- my, So what my, like, my apology was back then, because it was, you know, that was the thing where you, did something get canceled, you must apologize. And then they called my apology backhanded. Like I said before, and Vern, I'm always think like this. I'm like, look, if you want me to respect you, you must respect me. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? Like, you must. You you are in this community. You can be whatever you want. It don't bother me if you are LGBT. It don't matter. You will respect me as who I am, and I'm gonna respect you as who you are. You could have said anything. Oh, you ugly. You da 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 da. You called me that because that was gonna get a reaction. Like you called me a slur. That that if somebody said that to you, you would you hate it. Mm -hmm. Like you can't. That's the unspoken word. You can't. You said it yourself. Like other uh, transgender can't even spew that word. Like you know what I'm saying. You 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 said the f word. Them two men, they, they ain't like that. Like what? You're a part of the community. You still can't say it. You have to respect me if you want me to respect you. Like mm -hmm. so, I when I apologized to the community, I said I I meant what I said to him. Mm -hmm. I said, man, y'all want me to respect? I it starts with respect. No matter if you know the person or not, everybody a human being. You're a human being first. Mm -hmm. That's what you are first. I hear you. Everything I hear else you. after. May but I that, that's how I'm gonna always be. But yeah. I hear you. May I offer? I can't make anybody do anything. Absolutely. I can't make anybody respect me. I actually like so much of my healing work around relationships is I can't make somebody love me. I can't make somebody treat me right. I can't mm -hmm. make somebody see me. I can take myself out of the situation. Mm -hmm. I can take my, I can put myself in a situation where someone can see me, can respect me and is able to. Yeah. Some, some people aren't able to respect us because they don't respect themselves. That's real. Right? So, like, so I can't make somebody do something. And, mm -hmm. and so, like, the whole um, you will respect me thing, I'm like, people, they might not. You know, I, I feel mm -hmm. like I come with nothing but love and I work my ass off. And there's so many people who are only going to see my transness and never see the excellence, see the the hard work, see the talent. And I can't make them do that. I do can't you, make them do that. Do you ever get tired of being, uh, I don't want to say the face, but the person that everybody comes to when Word. there's a joke that people don't like or when somebody says something in a lyric or the spokesperson, a like, you're like the spokesperson. Do you get tired well, of not, that? I'm not anymore. There's so many more of us. And what I what I love about my career and what I'm really proud of is that I'm the first openly trans person to be nominated for an acting Emmy, but I'm not the last. Mm. I'm the first trans person to be on the cover of Time Magazine, but I'm not the last. Mm. Um, there's so many more trans people with the platform now. Mm. What I am frustrated by with these legislative attacks against trans people now is that people aren't talking to enough trans people. There are like lots of pundits and people who like talk about trans issues without a trans person in sight. There used to be a time I'm old enough where, you know, people would talk about trans issues and actually bring on trans people to talk um i can't what i've learned is i can't speak on every issue mm -hmm. because it's exhausting um this stuff is also traumatizing um transphobia is traumatizing racism is traumatizing mm -hmm. um 
misogyny is traumatizing and I can't live in that space. Right. I can't live in that space all the time. And, and you know, that 2020 taught me that too. Twi oh, oh, girl, trauma on top of trauma. So I have to, sometimes I have to go away and not speak on those things. And I'm so blessed that I get to have a public platform where I don't talk about being trans at all, where I get to go on the red carpet and I talk about artists and their work. Mm -hmm. And I go on my show and I talk about artists and their work. And so it's not, it can't always be about that. I love being trans. Trans is beautiful. I always say I'm not beautiful despite my big hands, my big feet, my wide shoulders, my deep voice. I'm beautiful because of those things, those mm -hmm. things that make me noticeably trans. But I get to occupy spaces that, where it's, my transness is not the only thing. So mm -hmm. I, I'm honored that I've been chosen, I think by a power greater than myself to be a vessel for all of the visibility that mm -hmm. trans people have now. And I, it used to feel like a lot of pressure and I used to feel this obligation to speak up about everything. And now I pray to God that like, I'd say thank you, but I'm like, can I wear this light more lightly and with mm -hmm. more joy? And I'm getting there. I'm in, and, and I'm getting there by staying in the love. I, I started ending my emails like, God, 20 years ago, stay in the love to remind myself and my fellow artists that we got into this because we love it, not because the business part of being an artist is treacherous, but I, I love it. And I think love is always the solution. When I talked to Cornell West on my podcast, he he said a lovely thing to me that I'm, I'm in the tradition of love warriors that we've had in the black community from, you know, time memoriam. Like he said, you know, that, you know, they hated us, but we have taught people how to love as black mm -hmm. folks. We consistently do that. Mm -hmm. And like that for me is what it's all about. It's about existing and inhabiting love and putting that out there and hopefully getting that back. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the only thing with all of the vitriol and policies that are being passed that are attacking trans people, they're attacking like, you know, AP, African-American studies and just all yeah. these things that we have to, education is important. I like to remind people that, and everyone knows this, but it's just good to be reminded that they didn't want slaves to read. They did not want, if you learn to read as a slave, you would be beaten, mm -hmm. you would be killed. They did not want us to be educated. And right now you have a governor of, of Florida, governor of Texas who wants, they're banning books. They don't want you to learn about things. And so in this moment, like as black people, as marginalized people, we need to educate ourselves. We need to learn critical thinking to, to on the internet to figure out what's misinformation and what's not. That education and learning, it's like, it's, 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 it's a practice of freedom. Mm -hmm. Education has always been freedom for black folks. And it, it, it is now as well. And it's extended to trans people. Trans people, we've always been here. I like to remind folks that trans folks have existed in indigenous cultures all over the world. In Hawaii, they had Mahu in India, Hydra in, in Africa. They're, they're um, you know, non, we, they wouldn't be called trans people now, but with colonialism. With, du um, with dual spirits, I think. They two spirits in Native yeah. American cultures. Um, in Angola, there was um, 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 Nzinga, Queen Nzinga had her, um, I forget the name, the name of the, um, her sort of non-binary mm -hmm. 
kind of um, folks um, in her court. So we've existed throughout time, um, trans folks and people who didn't exist within the binary. And this gender binary thing, it's a white colonial Western thing, right? So like, let's educate ourselves about that and understand that when we're being transphobic and we're enforcing this like binary idea of man and woman, we're like doing some colonial shit. We're doing some like white imperialist stuff, right? Let's like, if we look at indigenous cultures and look at the way pe other people are practice things, you know, um, trans and or gender non-conforming people held sacred spaces mm -hmm. in 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 um in India. You would uh, wouldn't have a wedding or a christening without the presence of a hijra to bless that child or bless that wedding. And trans folks have been spiritual leaders throughout history. Absolutely. I do want to ask um yes, since we're talking about it mm -hmm. when when it comes to gender identity, should should we let kids wait until they are older to make that decision? Because I know that's a big it is a big point. conversation mm -hmm. right now. And what I say to that is that if you are not a trans child or have a parent or a parent of a child who thinks they might be trans, it's none of your business. Mm -hmm. I think what has been happening with the GOP specifically now and all of the like, we have to protect kids, kids in sports, kids this, kids that, it's never been about kids. It's always been about stigmatizing trans people. There's a law in Oklahoma that was just um, introduced that would ban gender affirming care up until the age of 26. This tells me what I've already always known. That's never been about kids. It's about making trans people not exist. Donald Trump just made a speech saying we need to ban gender affirming care for everybody. He, he may have misspoken, he misspeaks a lot, mm -hmm. but he said we need to ban it for everybody. That is the plan. So I think when we are talking about someone else's access to healthcare or bodily autonomy, it's nobody else's business, whether they're a child or an adult. Um, the American Academy for Pediatrics, the Medi American Medical Association, the Endocrine Society have a set of protocols and they're all well-respected for treating trans kids and that should be handled by doctors not legislators, not people who are not involved. It's right. nobody's business. And I think when we have these conversations about trans people and we focus on transition, body, surgery, when you're a Supreme Court um, confirmation hearing and they're talking about, you know, mutilating children or, you know, castrating children, that language objectifies trans people and dehumanizes us. This whole conversation has been deeply dehumanizing. And when you can dehumanize people, you can take away their rights. And that is exactly what they're doing right now. They've done a really good job of dehumanizing trans people, LGBTQ plus people in general, and now they're taking away our rights and no one's really doing anything about it. So our work is to rehumanize everybody, to rehumanize each other. When we dehumanize somebody else, we dehumanize ourselves. When I interviewed Dr. Joy DeGruy, who um, coined the term post-traumatic slave syndrome on my podcast, mm -hmm. she said that like the healing is not just for um, formerly enslaved people, it's also for the people who enslaved folks. When they enslaved us, they were dehumanizing themselves. When you discriminate against other people, you dehumanized yourself. When you allowed yourself to, you know, come out of character and respond to that, that dude who said that to you, mm -hmm. that that was, you were not human, you were not giving yourself the dignity, the regality, the royalty, the humanity that you deserve to be above that in that moment. And for many years, a trans elder said to me, it's not what they call you, it's what you answer to. No, I get it. Do you feel like he was wrong? Absolutely. All right. I just Absolutely. Because for a while, it was so one-sided. Like, it's like, Absolutely. no, he can say that because he's a part of it. I'm like, no, nah, he can't. And he can say whatever you want to say. Yeah, I'm I not like, ever saying that. I'm just saying, like, 
But, but, like, but at the end of the what, day, one we of my favorite both wrong, one, of, like, one of my favorite I feel things like I've heard. response was very human, though. Absolutely, yeah. very human, yeah. very human. And I'm not, I'm very human. But like, and we're human beings. But when right. if we when we want to evolve and we want to grow right. spiritually, mm-hmm. how do we then proceed? And uh, mm-hmm. one of my favorite things that I heard and um, from a therapist <clears throat> is what other people say about me is none of my business. That's right. mm-hmm. Because if I'm in this constant space of like you must respect me, you must. We see it on reality shows all the time. You got to respect me, and then I'm fighting with somebody, and I'm I just, I'm I'm fighting, and I'm like coming out of character. It's like this is not why God put me here. Mm-hmm. God did not put me here to be reactive to. Some Somebody in some low vibrational, mm-hmm. <laughs> low vibrational mm-hmm. place. Um, <laughs> some low vibrational energy. Right. God put mm-hmm. me here to 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 be anointed, to live in the anointed mm-hmm. space. Absolutely. That I'm that I'm I'm so I'm not coming out of character right. because someone's calling me something. Mm-hmm. People call me stuff all the time. My whole life, people have been calling me stuff. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you're here because we can even help Jess unpack a, another little bit of trauma that she went through. Remember, Jess, I saw you say this on the "Don't Call Me White Girl" podcast. Yeah, it was a guy hollering at you. Flew yeah. out and, and you was trying to fly. Him. Yeah, try to fly you out. Right? I was, I wasn't into him. I thought yo, you said you was into him. I didn't know you was into him. Trying to fly you out. Excuse me. The, what had happened? Well, okay, well, I need, I need. Look, be kind, rewind. Tell the story. My girls is lying on me. Be kind, rewind. No. Okay, there was this guy. He's known. Everybody know him. He's a singer. I think. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that yes, part. I didn't like, know a singer part either. Yeah, I'm I thought he was an from athlete. Back well, I didn't just try to holler at me too, yeah, bro. See? Mm-hmm. The ones that will act like they didn't. But yeah, he um, DM'd me and he was like, he wanted me to, you know, F him. Um, have sex with him. Have se- Yeah, have sex with him. But yeah. he wanted me to bend him over because he wanted you to strap on. He, no, he thought I had that already <laughs> yes. came like that. He like thought he that you thought were a trans was, woman who had yes, not had wanted, bottom surgery, and he really wanted this experience. And he didn't only hit me and once. No, girl. After the he show, you just tell me who it is. Times. I might know I who it is, girl. <laughs> Look, and she might not even be shocked. But the thing is, these yeah, things don't surprise this, me. No. And I was like, wow. Like, I, and this was traumatizing not, for you. No, I just yes, was like, was. no, it wasn't. It was not. Look, Charlene, so you're a mess. So, bro, what did I tell you? It you're a mess. Because girl, like, you're a mess. Because he was trying to insult me. He just literally thought that I was, you know, he thought so you were trans, and so he was, he was really wanting. I and wasn't so, upset at all. Okay. And when I seen the money, I was like, dang, I wish I did have one of those because he was exactly offering money. He thought you were a sex worker. He thought you were trans. Yes. There's people us always often assume that trans yeah. people are sex workers. Mm-hmm. We're not all sex workers. There's right. other things we can do. And this is not to, you know, right. demean sex right. work. We we For you know, sure. we're sex workers mm-hmm. should be decriminalized mm-hmm. and all that. Um wow. But and, and when I told him <laughs> and look, and when I was like, okay, so no, I am, you know, woman. He was like, oh, damn. All right, well, see you. Like, it was like, well, you can still fly me out for the money if you... But no, he didn't he want that. He wanted something very specific, he, yeah. Very specific, and he wasn't disrespectful after he wasn't... And I wasn't about to put that up, you know, none of mm-hmm. that. But he was really, like... Now, I wouldn't say disappointed, but it was like, oh... Sounds like he was disappointed. Damn, you not? Yeah, All right, he was well, disappointed. No, yeah. I think oh, that, like, we have to... Like, you know, I it's and it's tricky to talk about sex uh, with trans folks because we're often sexualized, yeah. right? And so to have an adult conversation about sex and sexuality right. and not 
again, to elevate the humanity of trans people. This is this is my work to elevate the um, humanity of trans people. But there are straight identified men mm -hmm. who enjoy being pegged, having right. a woman strap on, right. who enjoy a trans woman who might, you know, give them that 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 pleasure mm -hmm. and they still identify as straight because she's still a woman, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that like a more evolved conversation that a lot of people aren't ready for is that a sex act does not define your sexuality. Mm. A sex act does not define your sexuality. So you can have a sex act that involves, you know, you know, him wanting to do what he right, wants right, to right, do. Right. Oh, cases right. though, right? Right. No, it's nobody can tell you who you are. Okay. Nobody right. can tell you who you are. So you people, sexuality exists on a spectrum, mm -hmm. and I think it's like really problematic when we find out that someone enjoys something sexually and then we start telling Use them it. that they are gay or start telling them yeah. of, their, of their sexuality. It is not our business to tell somebody their sexuality. If they're in the closet, if they're in denial, that's actually not our business either, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So there's too much of that. Mm -hmm. I think we can allow, and people are doing all sorts of things um, sexually. Mm -hmm. And I think it's all wonderful. Yeah. I think it's mm -hmm. great. Live your as long as it's consensual, right? And everybody right. is a, an adult, mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I, it's great. And I don't. I think that like it's an advanced concept, but sex, separating a sex act from someone's sexuality, I mm -hmm. think, is something that's very evolved that I would love for people to be able to. to so do. Charlemagne does a no, sex act to me. I just love the fact yeah, that there's potentially. He a, does a, wait a minute. He I does thought I said Charlemagne does a sex you? act to me oh. that doesn't necessarily mean he's gay. That's what she's saying. It's well, he is. That's ridiculous. But not. I just love regular the other people. I just love the fact that a, 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 a trans woman potentially took one of Justice's prospects. That's what I. What? Really that's what I appreciate. He found his. He found the girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wanted me. No, he wanted me. He wanted me. He wanted me. He didn't know that I was. He still want me to this day. You could have been like, I could strap on. Did you offer that? Yes, because the money. It was so much money. How much money was it? How much was it? Fifty thousand dollars. Okay, you can tell the girls who this is. The, the sex worker listen, girls out there. There is listen. a man, a singer, offering fifty thousand oh, dollars, yes, and they better give me a piece of that. How old is he? How old is he? How old is he? Oh, he's like he's over fifty. Oh, he's like this was like somebody we listened to like back in the this day. Like, hey, stop! We, Don't do that. Right. Somebody not still do that listening. Tomorrow. We still listening to them right now. Fifty thousand dollars. Fifty thousand dollars. The girl. And, a lot of girls can use that. And so I did. You know, I had to talking it over with my best friend. <laughs> what's wrong with this? It's, 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 it's so good. It's gone. It's so beautiful to be a black. It's so beautiful to be a black trans woman <laughs> and not so no. need that money. It's, it's gone, so beautiful to make right. my own money. Can we talk about this, please? Yes, Barbie. Yes. Can we get the Barbie? Can we? Can we talk about Barbie in the same conversation that we were talking about? Will Mattel be okay with us having that conversation and then talking about this? Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry, Mattel. I want to know, how did this doll come about? Was this a dream of yours? It or how was. did it happen? So when us. I found out Ava DuVernay had a doll, I was like, I want a doll too. And I said to my manager, Paul, I was like, I want a Barbie. And like, I don't know if he reached out, but like a, several years later, Mattel reached out and said, we'd love to do a Barbie. Um, we're doing a tribute collection. And I said, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's like, I, it was a dream. And it was... I have a, I've, I've talked a lot about this when the Barbie came out, but when I was a kid, I wanted a Barbie and my mom did not allow me to play with Barbie. She, mm. it was forbidden. And I, when I was around 30 and I was in therapy, like starting therapy, well, like mid 2000s, I was in therapy and I told that story to my therapist and my therapist said, 
you can, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. You can reparent that inner child. Mm. And I think you should go and buy yourself a Barbie. Did you? And play with her. I absolutely did. I bought a Barbie. I played with her. I dressed her. And it was healing. And then I told my mom about it. And then my mom started sending me Barbies. It's always my wow. same time. Oh, wow. really? Then my mom started sending me Barbies. God, this. Ugh. Oh. Ugh, I'm not going to crown the breakfast club. Really um, and black she started Barbies? sending me black Barbies. Absolutely, okay. yeah. she started sending me black Barbies, and it was just this wonderful, mm. like that. We all have a little kid inside of us mm -hmm. that that mm. needs attention, that needs healing, and um, yeah, she's been. I've been taking really good care of my inner child, and Barbie has been a huge part of that. And so, what was so exciting for me about having a, my own Barbie is mm -hmm. that other people can have this space, of, of whatever age you are, to like reparent your inner child, yeah. or and and have and know that you can be trans or non-binary, and that like you exist. Can we and have this? Can we call have this? Stupid. Keep it in here. They, yeah, they're absolutely they're brought it for you. Yeah. 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 When did you forgive your mom? I'm sorry. When did you forgive your mom? Because oh, there yeah. had to be some resentment, yeah. the fact that you wanted to play with Barbie. She wouldn't let you. But you also have to understand that at that time, I, you know, this was a while, like, this is probably like, God, around that same time, 2005, 2006. Mm. So I don't know how old I was. I was like 30, mid, early to mid 30s. Yeah. And I just realized I needed to, when we hold on to resentment, it's like giving, taking poison and expecting it to hurt, you know, mm. hurt someone else, that old um, proverb. And so I just realized she did the best she could gotcha. That's right. with mm. um, That's right. what she mm. had. And my mom is an That's incredible right. human being. She put yeah. herself through college. She got a master's degree. She was a teacher. She's retired. Now my mother took, care of two kids my mother's an incredible human being yeah. and she did the best she could and with what she had and i turned out pretty well mm -hmm. and i love myself yes, now did. and that's my mom is responsible for that so yeah i forgave my mom a long time ago yeah, that's cool. amazing yeah i call me stupid because when i first heard about the doll you know representation matters we know that but how are you supposed to know this is a trans gender doll well my face is on the back it says laverne cox okay. and then my picture's on the back so um i'm trans so i mean yeah so it's uh, technically i mean it's not a trans barbie but it's the first mm -hmm. barbie to be made in the image of a trans person gotcha. so gotcha. yeah it's a barbie doll gotcha. <laughs> oh and then if you read this on yes. the back you literally can yeah oh it's, okay yeah. got you yeah. got you got you no, yeah, it, it, yeah. It's yeah, literally. Well, we her hair needs to be styled, though. Nah, um, so she, you know, she needs we to appreciate be. you for joining us. No, we yeah. are. And we, I have, a, I have a question. I'm sure Charlamagne and Jessica feel the same. Uh, if there's ever something that we have to call upon and, and and ask a question, we want you to be a friend of the room where we can call you if you're in L.A. and say, hey, Laverne, there's, there's this situation. What's your opinion? Because sometimes just, we might not get your representation because you know, it is what it is. exhausting and don't call yeah. us. Yeah, no, see, you can, you can call me. It's a fine line, You right? can call me. I might there's certain things I don't comment on like there's yeah. certain right. comedians who do their thing won't. and I don't right. I don't like no, to speak no, their names because I, like that, I also don't want to be for me it's important to be critical of concepts and ideologies and mm -hmm. mindsets but love people yeah. and the media will be is very quick to put you in mm. Laverne Cox fights mm. this person or Laverne Cox calls out this person yeah. then all of a sudden I'm feuding with someone I am not here to feud with anybody yeah. I'm not here to like be in conflict with another famous person yeah. don't pit me against anybody so like that I can talk about I, I can talk about concepts and ideas but I'm just I I'm very careful not to be people still try to pit me against folks mm. but I don't do it 
And mm -hmm. so I'm very careful about that. So I'll speak about, you know, an idea or a concept or like, right. or something specific. If we want to talk about why something's transphobic, yeah. like we can mm -hmm. break some stuff down. Right. That's a different example. That's a different conversation. I don't want to know examples. In Dubai and people were upset. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we were saying there's so many states here that necessarily don't respect that anti-lgbtq right so it was like so what's the difference so we didn't understand it so that would be like well what what, what, what were your thoughts on that so you know i'm in the beehive like mm, hardcore you're going to see beyonce uh yeah uh, no matter where she had multiple times <laughs> multiple times girl like please and beyonce actually gave me my first um fashion campaign ivy park Fall winter 2017, my first fashion hey. campaign was from Beyonce. No, that's right. Let Beyonce make her money. Mm -hmm. Let Beyonce make her money. And then on but uh, and honestly, there it's what is it? It's February, whatever. It's mid-February. Mm -hmm. And this year alone, over 300 pieces of anti-trans and LGBTQ legislation have been introduced in state legislatures all over the country. Mm -hmm. Over 300 mm -hmm. pieces. So Everybody who's saying that there's, you right. know, there's a lot of states here in the United States that Beyonce's gonna, Beyonce. gonna be performing in. Are you mm -hmm. just not gonna go to the concert mm -hmm. there? Cause like no, in Florida, in Oklahoma, in Texas, in Tennessee, mm -hmm. girl, Arizona, girl, and, and <laughs> Utah. Feel, and I feel like communities, certain communities need to experience joy, right? So you gotta find yeah. those pockets of joy when you can. Mm -hmm. What perfect place in a Beyonce concert. And That's just theory. because the government is, is discriminatory does not necessarily mean that the people there That's are right, right? Mm -hmm. we live under people live under oppressive regimes and it doesn't mean that people are bad right it just Facts. means the government yep. is 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 you are up. so right because when i went to london and i was like oh i, I was like i ain't want to talk about the queen and one of the promoters was like man and i can't say what he said say and i was like whoa so y'all don't care and he was like nah nah we don't care it depends on who you talk to start, girl, yeah, it, it depends yeah, you're it right depends. but like you said like the government the, the politics and the government Sometimes their people don't even be worrying about yeah. what they got, you know, right. what they got going on. They they agree the, with with their people instead the, of who runs them. It's my, it's my last question. I guess it's, it's more like a, you know, even though a statement. I guess the the challenge I have is a personality. Is I often wonder what's more impactful, right? Because you're Laverne Cox to me. Like you're not mm -hmm. transgender actress Laverne Cox. You're Laverne Cox. You got a lot of things mm -hmm. going on. So I wonder what's mm -hmm. more powerful. Just having you on a platform like this and just having a conversation about everything that you're doing are allowing you to speak to your your transness cuz to me I I could take either I could take it or leave it either way I right. I I can do both mm -hmm. yeah. find a girl who can do both <laughs> <laughs> um, I right. that for me it's like I the most just living my life as I'm 50 years old, living my life, work, I worked in restaurants in New York for 20 years. I did not go to the restaurant talking about my trans since when I was working at a coffee mm -hmm. shop. I just mm -hmm. went to the restaurant and I was myself and mm -hmm. some people knew I was trans, some people didn't, mm -hmm. they, they, but they got to know me as a human being. Right. And that was the most powerful thing ever. When I'm on sets, I'm not like, educating people or mm -hmm. doing diversity and inclusion training, right. I'm doing my job. Mm -hmm. And showing up and doing me has been the best way. So I think it's like it's about our humanity yes i'm trans but like i'm so much more than more that than and yeah. every trans person is so much more than that and i and this is just our humanity like our like don't reduce us to transitions or surgery. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's, it can be really valuable for other trans people to see you know trans folks transition online but like mm -hmm. 
so often people think it's all about that and mm -hmm. it's not it's about a life lived it's like yes i'm i'm i love my body i'm happy with where i'm at with um being done with transition whatever that means but there's so much more life mm -hmm. than like that like that it's the issue is when people don't want to let trans people exist mm -hmm. when they're murdering us, mm -hmm. when they're misgendering us, when they don't want to let us be in school and, and, and use our right pronouns and discrimination, mm -hmm. like trying to ban us from homeless shelters and employment. You know, our unemployment rate is three times the national average. Um, 78% of trans kids are bullied in schools. That's the problem. Us existing is not the problem. People, people's insecurity, you know, Leontine right. Price, my idol, um, black opera singer would say, you know, um, racism, racism is never the problem of the black artist. It's everybody else's problem. Mm -hmm. So that, so the work really for, for is, is everybody else getting, getting on board, you know, and, and I, and people have, and people, have a lot of feelings about that. I get it. I understand. Mm -hmm. people, people are frustrated. I have to use this pronoun now. And like the non-binary thing, people are confused about. Even other trans people have difficulty mm -hmm. with it. And I had difficulty with it in pronouns for a while. But like what I think it's about is understanding, particularly as black folks, is that we were sec black people were second class citizens for a really long time in the United mm -hmm. States. And in a lot of ways we still are. Still are. And this whole inclusivity thing is about acknowledging that we're here, that we have something to contribute, and that we should have equal access and equity. Same thing with trans people. We've always been here. We've been second-class citizens. And so it just, if we're going to acknowledge that these folks are here, let's just like respect them mm -hmm. and let them be. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't affect you. It really shouldn't. And mm -hmm. I think that like, some men who get upset like i feel like a lot of men who get upset about trans women it's like they want to be misogynist and they want to like mm -hmm. holler at a girl and like know that she was assigned female at birth and they get upset and it's like that's not my problem that's not my problem that if you're attracted to me it's not mm -hmm. like my problem that you clicked swipe right on me on a dating right. app like it just unmatch and right. move on it's like people get so <laughs> right. and and then it's i not think my for fault i made your dick jump right you know what i'm saying Damn. Uh, <laughs> and, and, for, and for some women people who are assigned female at birth and who are woman identified who had issues with trans we're not here to take your spot we're not here to like yeah. we're we can yeah. all we, there's room enough for all of us oh, no, you know it's a lot yeah. of this is about scarcity and there's mm -hmm. enough for there's enough for everyone mm -hmm. right and it's mm -hmm. like we're not a threat we just want to exists we want to just live our lives yeah you know for sure. well, laverne cox ladies laverne and gentlemen cox, thank you for joining us y'all check out if we're being honest yes. with laverne cox on peacock mm -hmm. yes yes and uh, oscar's red carpet that's right march 12th e. yes. that's yes. right march 12th yes. well thank you so much for joining us we appreciate you Always. and uh don't be a stranger thank you it's the breakfast club is laverne cox have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. 
Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health, but by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 you know what i'm saying like it could have been like easier and a lot of people have asked me like how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple and what else was it gonna like that's what the song wanted thanks for listening to this episode of the crew call podcast on deadline are you looking to step up to a 4k smart tv one that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution then we've got good news for you because the vizio 65 inch v-series 4k smart tv is now just 348 with all your favorite apps built in you can stream straight out of the box you can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app looking for a smaller or bigger screen vizio offers unbeatable prices on all v-series 4k smart tvs head to walmart.com today and score the 4k tv you've been waiting for Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club.